Several years ago, there was a group of historians that got together and they, they asked a, a number of intriguing questions. Um, they asked, what if the Moors had won the great historic battle in Spain? What if the Dutch had kept New Amsterdam? Um, what if Louis XVI had been a strong and firm king? They threw the question out to each other. What if Lee had won at Gettysburg? What if Booth had missed Lincoln with that shot? What if Napoleon had escaped to America? What would history be like if these events never happened? After their discussions, they decided they would write a book, and the book came out, and it was entitled, If History Rewritten. <laughs> I thought about that. I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to ask the question, what if Jesus had never been born? Now, there's a lot of answers I know that we could come up with to that uh, question, I think. But I want to suggest to you tonight that one of the, the most, um, I want to say substantive uh, answer to that, that question, and that is simply this. If Jesus had never been born, you and I, we would all still be in our sin. Throughout this Christmas season, I don't know if you've been with us or not, but throughout this Christmas season, this Advent season, uh, we have been looking on Sunday mornings at some different names um, that uh, Jesus has been given in the New Testament. Um, and one of those names that I want to look at tonight that Jesus has been given in the New Testament was Lamb of God. In John chapter 1, John the Baptist Seeing Jesus, um, you know, coming towards him, all of a sudden he, he looks over and he yells out, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So you say, well, what's the significance of that, of that name, Lamb of God? Well, to answer that, I think it would help us if we um, uh, step back and put ourselves in the place of some of those Jewish listeners who would have heard John when he uses that title for Jesus? What would they have thought when they heard that title, Lamb of God? See, for centuries, Israel's consciousness had been programmed with this idea of the sacrificial lamb. I mean, perhaps their Jewish minds would have gone back to the story of Abraham and Isaac from Genesis chapter 22. Perhaps they might have thought about the lamb from Isaiah chapter 53 who was to be led to the slaughter uh, for the sins of God's people. Undoubtedly, they would have thought of the Passover lamb, the lamb that was sacrificed and had its blood taken and, and uh, put over that door frame. The, the lamb that um, enabled them to uh, get freed from Egyptian slavery. See, when John the Baptist uh, points to Jesus and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God, no doubt there would have been the thoughts in their mind of the, of the sacrificial lamb. God has once again provided the lamb to meet their, their deepest need. Jesus is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. 
Now, I want you to notice uh, three things in John's testimony here. Um, The first is the source of this lamb. He is provided by God. Just like God did for Abraham um, and Isaac, uh, when his uh, son Isaac asked him, um, the fire and wood are here, Dad, (laughs) Uh, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham responds, well, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Jesus is God's lamb, (laughs) whom he has provided for our atonement. Jesus is truly a gift to us. While waiting in a Nazi prison in 1943, a few weeks before Advent, Diedrich Bonhoeffer wrote to a friend, and he said this, a prison cell in which one waits and hopes, and does various unessential things, and is completely dependent upon the fact that the door of freedom has to be opened from the outside, that's not a bad picture of Advent, he said. Shortly after pinning those words, the Nazis end up executing Bonhoeffer. But I think he was right. The door of the freedom for him and for us today is still open from the outside by the coming and then the second coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is God's Lamb given to us. Jesus is truly a gift. Second, I want you to notice when John makes this statement, he uh, notices the significance of the Lamb. He says, he will take away sin. It's the imagery of the the scapegoat um, from the Old Testament where the priest would lay his hands on the head of that hapless goat and and he'd transfer the guilt of the people onto that animal and then he would send that creature out into the wilderness to proclaim the removal of the guilt. The lamb has taken away our sin. A book titled A Forgiving God in an Unforgiving World tells a a true story of a uh, priest in the Philippines, a much-loved man of God who carried the burden of a secret sin that he had committed uh, many years before. He had repented of that sin, but he still had no peace. He he, he just carried with him this uh, sense of guilt, no sense of God's forgiveness. In his parish, there was this woman who deeply loved God and who claimed that she had visions in which she spoke with Christ and and, uh, that Christ spoke with her. The priest, however, was quite skeptical. To test her, he said, uh, the next time, listen, the next time you speak with Christ, I want you to ask him what sin your priest committed while he was in seminary. (laughs) The The woman agreed. A few days later, the priest saw her again, and, and he asked her, he said, well, did Christ visit you in your dreams? And she said, well, yes, he did. And she said, uh, or he said, and, and, and did you ask him what sin I committed while I was in seminary? And, he, and she said, yes. Well, what did he say? He said, I don't remember. <laughs> See, what God forgives, he forgets. How many of us, I think, need just to camp out 
in this place during this Christmas season and even into this next year of 2022, remembering and reaffirming the gospel truth that Christ the Lamb has really, really, I mean really, <laughs> truly taken away our sin. I want you third, notice the scope of the Lamb's ministry. It's worldwide. When John says, who takes away the sin of the world, uh, he doesn't mean that every person in the world is saved. Um, he means every person, without exception, will be saved if they believe in Jesus and trust in him and, and follow him. Every kind of sin is covered. There is no sin that is so heinous, no wickedness too terrible, no habitual failure uh, too often repeated that cannot be taken away by Christ, the Lamb of God. In that one sentence that John stated, that one sentence, we have the essence of the Christian message. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, when I started thinking about this um, title of the Lamb of God for Jesus, and I started thinking about that first Christmas, I realized there's something very interesting here. Did you realize that the shepherds near Bethlehem that night, the, the one the angels came to and sang glory to God in the highest, the ones that uh, ran down to visit Mary and Joseph and the babe in that, in that manger, do you realize that those shepherds were not watching an ordinary just flock of sheep? The sheep that they were watching were what they called the slaughter sheep, raised to be taken to Jerusalem and be offered as sacrifices to God. So catch this. Catch the irony here. That while the Lamb of God was being born in a manger, the lambs nearby were being prepared for slaughter as a sacrifice for the sins of the people of Israel. <laughs> and then 33 years later, Jesus, the true Lamb of God, went to the cross and took our place and died for the sins of the world. Sidlow Baxter in Awake My Heart writes this, separate Christmas Day from Good Friday and Christmas is doomed. It's doomed to decay into a merely sentimental or superstitious or sensuous eat, drink, and be merry festivity of December. Bethlehem and Golgotha, the manger and the cross, the birth and the death must always be seen together <laughs> if the real Christmas is to survive with all of its profound inspirations. For the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. There's a story about a woman that uh, was in the mall during, doing her Christmas shopping. You've all been there recently, I'm sure. Now, she was tired, and she was walking through every aisle of the store trying to find just the right present. She was stressed out about the mounting debt that was going on to her credit card, and she was tired of fighting the crowds and standing in those long lines at the registers. Her hands were full of all of these different gifts and packages when the elevator door opened, and it was full. Great, she muttered. <laughs> The occupants of the elevator, it was pre-COVID days, 
And feeling her pain, they squeezed back into a tighter uh, spot and allowed her a small space for her and all of her, her packages. Um, as the doors closed, she blurted out, I think whoever came up with this Christmas thing ought to be found and strung up and shot. <laughs> a few others shook their heads and grunted in agreement. Then from somewhere in the back of the elevator came a single, small, high-pitched voice that said, Don't worry. They've already crucified him. <laughs> Listen, if Jesus had not come, we would still all be in our sins, friends. But he did come, didn't he? He did. He came. And that's good news. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. I don't know how you came to Jesus. Different people come for different reasons. Some of you maybe came because it it just makes sense for you to have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. I mean, it just seemed right to you. Some of you came because you, you, you found yourself in an ugly, difficult situation, and the only way out was up, and you found him to be there waiting for you. Some of you came because you felt so burdened by guilt and sin in the past that you reached out and found Jesus there with mercy and compassion, ready to forgive you. Disraeli, the brilliant prime minister of England, fell in love and married a lady 12 years older than him by the name of Mary. They had legendary love and, and marriage, and he used to joke around with her evidently, saying, Mary, you know the reason I married you was because of your money. <laughs> and she said, but if you had to do it all over again... You'd marry me because of your love. <laughs> Listen, if we had to do it all over again, if you truly know the Lamb of God, we'd come to him because of his love. At Christmas, love came down. <laughs> love that was going to bear the terrible price for our sins. And once we came to know that love and experience that forgiveness and that compassion and that embrace, if we had to do it all over again, it would be because of love. If Christ had not come, friends, I got to tell you, then turn off the bells and stop the music and close the church. No hope. But listen, I bring you good tidings of great joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David the Savior, who is Christ the Lord, God's only Son, the Lamb of God, was born so that with the forgiveness of sin, we could be reconciled back to him. The separation that kept us in darkness was overcome by Jesus' light. Listen, no matter where you are tonight, no matter what you have done, the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God has come. And he's come for you. The light is here. And he has declared that you never have to walk in darkness again. Receive his love and light tonight and you'll experience Christmas like never before. Would you pray with me? Lord God, thank you. Thank you that you 
became one of us. And the son, Jesus Christ, the child whose birth we celebrate tonight. Jesus, thank you for being the lamb of God, taking away our sins by dying on the cross for us. Thank you for your love. Going to the cross for us as our representative. God, we worship you tonight. We thank you and praise your name. We pray all these things in his name. Amen.